selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. The internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming. But have no fear, I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge. All right, I'm joined today by the host of the Suffer the Little Children podcast, Lane. Only only first name Lane, like Prince. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How you doing, Lane? Good. How are you, Bob? I'm I'm doing great. Thank you for joining me. Thanks so much. I was surprised when you got on the Zoom to hear you had an accent because I <laughs> Erica did as usual an amazing job of her background check. But one thing she didn't mention is where you're from, and it sounds like you're from like I thought. I, it's so I had a guess that you were from Indiana, and I don't think that that's right. Nope. <laughs> <not> like, <laughs> quite possibly. Australia, maybe? Wow. No, no. I'm actually originally Canadian. Um, I grew up in Alberta, but I've lived in New Jersey for the past uh, 20 years, so it's probably a weird amalgamation. <laughs> How? God, I'm, I'm so embarrassed that I came up no, with Australia. That's okay. That. You hadn't heard too many words out of me yet. <laughs> yeah. Now that you're saying that, I can hear the Canadian uh, accent. Now, wh- now where, where's Alberta? I don't know much about Canada. Like, I just know it's up there. It is. <laughs> It's um, <laughs> right above Montana, so the second province from the uh, west. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, a lot Montana. of uh, I'm going to be in Montana in just a few weeks. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a lot like that. I'll be right below your hometown. Okay. There, north, <laughs> northwest Montana. Nice. Well, uh, again, thanks Thanks for joining me. I want so, so your podcast super, is super interesting to me. I want to get into uh, – one thing I need – I want to talk about some stuff about you too, but also in the podcast, do you keep up with like – Real current stuff. Like I noticed the case we're talking about today. Like you covered it on your show, like a week or two after like the story broke. Is that kind of your format? Not necessarily. Um, When I first started, I was just doing my blog in 2019, and uh, 
But basically, I was doing ongoing cases at the time. I wasn't covering too many already resolved cases. But then uh-huh. I started getting upwards of, you know, dozens of cases that I had to follow through with because I couldn't just, hey, here's a case and then let it drop. I have to follow through. I have to know what happens. I have to know, right, right. you know, what's going on. So there was a lot to keep up with. And uh, so once I started the podcast a year later, I was doing that for a while, but then I decided I'm going to try to do resolved cases. That way I don't have to keep doing updates on it because it really uh-huh. does take up a lot of time to try to track them all. I'm fi- I have a whole calendar of court appearances and uh, all that kind of stuff <laughs> to try to figure out, you know, who's going to be doing what, when, and who's been convicted. And it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. I, I, I'm thinking as you're saying that, like on truth and justice, we've done like 10 cases mm-hmm. and some of them are still, most of them are still unresolved. Just with just that few, I'm constantly juggling, right. trying to keep up on what's going on with all of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and you have uh, your show has already uh, over a hundred episodes just since uh, February of twenty twenty. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I've done pretty much one a week since then. Um, some are two parts, but mostly it's one episode per child, and and I try to make it as uh, comprehensive as I can. That's that's so impressive that some you know, you don't see a lot when somebody starts a new show like that. <laughs> that they come right out of the gates like I'm going to do one every. You get a lot of, I'm going to do one every week, and about four weeks later, you're like, man, this is, <laughs> it's that's a lot, a lot to do every Exactly. Week. Well, it uh, happened that I had the perfect storm. So before the pandemic started, um, I had worked for 18 years at a local bank, and I was running their call center, and I was a, an assistant vice president and doing all the, the voice stuff, like the uh, phone menus and, and on-hold ads and things like that. Um, they outsourced my department, and that the department shut down the beginning of February and then the pandemic came along a month later. So as soon as I left that job, I thought it's time now. I, I knew I was going to start a podcast. I've been listening to them for, you know, four or five years at that point, yours being one of them. And it was, uh, it was just time to do it. So I kind of threw myself into it. I'd been doing the blog for a year. There were a mm-hmm. lot of cases I already knew very well. And so I started with those. And it, it just, yeah, I figured, you know what, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Because that's, my mom will tell you, <laughs> when this girl does something, she does it. So I tend to be uh, a little, uh, you know, I persevere when it comes to things like that. You certainly have some follow through, that's for sure. <laughs> now, do you, do you is, does the blog, I assume the blog's still up. Can people go still find the blog? They can. It's sufferthelittlechildrenblog.com. I haven't been updating it as much. I've been putting uh, links to other news sources on the cases that I've been following. But mm-hmm. I got plagiarized last year, and it was just such a, an awful feeling, just having my words spoken out of someone else's mouth and claimed as their own. It, I just decided, you know, the writing itself, I have to kind of keep to me, and, and it'll just be my, you know, my podcast script, not theirs. Yeah, that makes a lot of so – so it was another podcaster that just – Yeah, it was a YouTuber. Blog. Yep, just uh, started reading it, didn't give me any source credit. Um, and then when I tried to, you know – call him on it he basically said uh, i've never heard of you even though he had images from my blog with my watermark on them so it was pretty obvious where he got the information so yeah it just it, it was a youtube asshole. thing yeah it was awful it, it's just such yeah. a violation it's weird. <laughs> it just pisses me off so much especially in yeah. a world that you know so many of us are, are independent creators right. that just it's it's a it's a grind. It's getting to be more and more of a grind as like big industries are like coming into the <laughs> podcasting space and like yes. buying up. Like all of a sudden, everybody's, you know, the, the, it's by iHeart or by Wondery or by yep. whoever, you know, by Audible. 
and to go steal something from another independent creator. Like, yeah. Go fuck yourself, guy. Exactly. Whoever it felt that guy is. awful. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm trying to keep the blog, you know, uh, less of my own stories. Uh, because I would, I, I take, you know, 20 news sources and compile it into one great big story with all of the details that you could possibly need. And um, so, yeah, that's why they use it as a source, because it's where everything is. But, yeah, that's all my work. You know, I'd spend days doing one article. So. Right. Yeah. What a the, compliment, though. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, thanks, man. <laughs> you did such a great job of like doing all the research. And yeah, I wonder yeah. if there's people that just, I've probably been, I've never like read somebody's work on, on, on online or anything, but you certainly have like, you find things on the internet sometimes and don't connect that maybe with like, right. Hey, there's, there's a human being that's sitting out there doing that's all the this thing. work. And yeah, I think a lot of them just don't think of it that way. They just would rather not. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's like, where it's, did but that when come I reach from? out, you know, yeah, the internet made it exactly. <laughs> I right, found it on the internet. The internet made it. The worst part is I would put my, you know, little interjections and my personality. I wrote from my own voice, and um, he would use my my interjections and my opinions as his own. He would read them verbatim as if that's what he was feeling and thinking. Oh, <laughs> it was awful. I bet it's horrible. Did he speak yeah. in what sounded to me for a moment to be an Australian accent? <laughs> I don't think so. He was he was good about that part. <laughs> yeah. God. You, I, That's I, so funny. I'm, I'm hung up on this because now that I've been talking to you for five minutes, there is nothing at all Australian <laughs> about your accent. Maybe you I have, a, have an accent. That's That's interesting. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I have a super strong New Jersey accent, especially when I'm talking to my parents. But then when I'm done talking to my parents, I come back and everyone's like, wow, your Canadian accent came back. So they're both kind of nebulous. I'm in and out. I'm like, my mind is blown. I feel like it's that Mandela effect or something for me. Right. So I'm like, I swear when you got on the Zoom, I heard like, good day. Good day. Like, that's it. Not, not at all. Anything nope. like that. Um, so, so tell us about yourself. I know, I know you're, you're divorced. You're mama too. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, and you write a lot. So you have your blog, but you've done some, some fiction stories too, right? Yeah. I, um, had, oh gosh, I think it was nine or 10 of them, um, published in a little literary journal many years ago. Most of it now is just for me when I do fiction, um, because this just takes up so much of my time now. Right. But yeah, I did. I wrote a few novels that I have never done anything with and, but it's just out there. (laughs) What do you, for the fiction stuff, like what are you, what's your genre? What do you write about? You'd think it would be horror because that was my big thing growing up. I was a big Stephen King fan from the age of 12, which is far mm-hmm. too young, obviously. But um, <laughs> when my kid turned 12, I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> but, right. Uh, I, um, yeah, I don't really write anything like that because I've been through a lot um, with my marriage and things like that. Um, I learned a lot about coercive control and all of that good stuff. Laura is mm-hmm. Laura Richards, one of my main heroes. Um, so after going through all of that, now I tend to write character study, relationship study, friendships, but it's always, always a happy ending. Always. I can't um, write anything too dark now. It's uh, living through a very dark couple of decades kind of led yeah. me to the spot where I have to be writing something happy. What a great outlet, though I'm sure yeah, for you to like, it definitely, <laughs> especially because the, the the like the stuff that you're researching for this podcast is it's rough. I mean, it's that's a dark. that's a hell of a thing to tackle. Yeah, yeah. So to have that, like, in I think that's that's super important too to have 
some kind of like mm-hmm. you know for you it's, it's writing happy stories for me i'm like an outdoor guy like i have to be you know at, at least one, once a week i just have to go outside by myself or me and my dog and go do something right <laughs> like just like exactly turn you can't off be thinking all about the it. noise right that's the thing I, I always get that question how are you doing this all the time and i don't know the answer to that question but i do have to turn on cute baby or kitten videos or you know i have to watch i watch comedy a lot and stand-up comedy listen to that and i have all of those kind of outlets so that i can just switch my brain off and you know not think about all of these babies that i have in my heart because i really do i take each one of them on um sure probably not to a healthy degree (laughs) but that's just what i do you know they they take a little piece well, yeah, and all of us in this industry, I think that we do that. Like we, mm-hmm. I think if you're good at your job, you're you're going right. to get connected to these cases. But I think it's also really important to have that balance of some kind to be able to, yeah. You know, when I first first started doing this, I was doing truth and justice for a couple of years, and then um, and I never did. I, I I'm like I hate social media, <laughs> like 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 at all. It's just because it's just like more darkness and horror, right? Oh yeah. Um, but but I somebody had convinced me to start doing like like Snapchat back when Snapchat stories were really popular. Now it's like back like the kids communicate with it. But right. like, there was a little while there where us old people were like doing <laughs> stories on Snapchat for a while. Yeah. And I started like doing those and just like and nothing with work, just my personal life and good. I'm goofing around or whatever. And nobody, I was pretty inaccessible only because I don't do social media. Mm-hmm. So like, and I get so many shitty DMs all the time that I can I don't only imagine. Really I don't read a lot. You know, it's like, I, I, I appreciate you sending me the nice thing you sent me the DM, but I don't want to read 15 people telling me, you know, how horrible I am to get to yours. So I just yeah. don't, you know. Exactly. But my wife works as an online fitness coach. So she was has a very public profile. People would reach out to her and tell them how disappointed they were that I was having fun and goofing around. And how could I do that? Wow. When, yeah, when when I'm when I'm you know there's such a, you know when you know at the time I'm doing you know Heyman Lee's case you know mm-hmm. that case is so tragic how can he be laughing and joking around oh, Wow she's like how she's can like, you, you not a, you have to yeah, yeah she's like you know he's a normal person right like there is a time <laughs> when he clocks out and he's just like with his wife and kids and right like yeah, even so detectives have to decompress and not be cops for a while and things like that yeah. So I, th- I, th- I think it's, 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 I'm always curious to see what people do to try to balance things out. So, and I'm, and I'm sure your kids are, how old are your kids? I have a 14 year old and a 17 going on 18 year old, which is scary enough in itself. So I oh, yeah. have a brand new driver out there and, and a high schooler coming you. up. Oh, scary. <laughs> yep. I feel I have, I have, so my, my oldest stepson's 21, but okay. he's out of the house now, but. My son is 17. Yeah. And I'm and I'm finally like comfortable with him driving. Mm-hmm. Like for a little while I was like on Life 360 what? And Me like, too. <laughs> waiting till the car stopped calling him like why were you going 57 miles an hour in a 55 <laughs> zone? I said Right. What's with the hard braking? What's happening here? <laughs> yeah, you got to stay finally, on. Yeah, I'm finally like getting used to that and my daughter is 16 now and is about okay. to start driving. <laughs> it's like wow. All over again. Yeah, it's yeah. it's nerve-wracking. I I posted on Facebook. I don't very often post on personal Facebook. I throw my work out there all the time, but I posted like, "Do you ever lose the pit in your stomach when they leave the house without you?" because that was just such a nerve-wracking day when my son took the car for the first time and just drove oh. away. 
yeah, it, it terrifies me. Yes, <laughs> it terrifies me still. Exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah, t- the teenage years, the teenage years are fun. But like, and I love that, like the age they're at now. Mm-hmm. Like last night, where it, it, and and like, I feel like it's a win as a parent that our, our kids like to hang out with us. Yes, exactly. You know? So like, Becky and I were sitting on the couch watching TV last night, and both Quentin and Bella came up, and we're just. Sitting around joking around. Like they're fun to like you can have like adultish conversations with them. Right. Yep. You know? Yeah. But then they the go out and do part. dangerous shit like drive. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and graduate. What are you thinking? <laughs> right. Move away. Oh God. <laughs> when I was eighteen, oh my gosh, I moved two hours from home and my mom was just a wreck. And I'm like, what's the problem? Then I moved three thousand miles away the next year. And uh I can't imagine how she did that. And I keep telling my kids. Don't move far from your family. Trust me, you'll hate it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I did the same thing. So I I live in Michigan. And when I turned 18, I went to college in Colorado. Oh, wow. Which I was like super stoked. I couldn't, you know, it, you as a kid, you're like, you know, relax. I'm like, I'm fine. What is, what is your problem? I'm an adult and now. now. <laughs> the thought of one of my kids moving 2,000 miles away is, no. is insanity. Can't handle it. <laughs> nope. nope. No, thank you. But yeah, so I'm, I'm sure you spend... Plenty of time with the kids, and then you mm-hmm. and then you do your writing. Um, so, like, how did you get into the blogging stuff? I mean, the blogging is about the same topic. It's about yeah. about children that yes. have, that have been through hard times. Like, like what drew you to that that corner of true crime or just life? Well, the first true crime book I ever remember laying my hands on was uh, I think it was called Small Sacrifices, the Diane Downs story, and just the fact that. Any mother could do what she did, just kind of stuck in my brain and has never mm-hmm. left. And so I was interested in, I was always kind of uh, in between. I'm the most empathetic person, but I'm also dark and morbid. When I was uh, <laughs> January 1st, 1990, my diary entry, I'll never forget, I wrote, and I was like nine. I wrote, um, I can't believe I made it through the 80s without getting murdered. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where we're starting from. But also, I just have these, you know, I am very empathetic, like to a fault. So I would notice throughout the whole true crime space that, number one, the killers were always much more focused on than the victims. And two, that nobody was telling the kids stories. And uh, there were a couple kids in particular whose stories really stuck with me. And I've told a few of them on my podcast now. Um, Alyssa Guernsey is one. Uh, she's from Indiana. And then Blaze Spurl, South Carolina, and Zara Baker, who was the Australian girl who ended up dying in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Those types of stories, they would stick with me, but there wasn't as much coverage about them. And I thought, you know, the whole time, why? Why aren't people telling these stories? Now I know, now that I am doing them, people are afraid of hearing it. It's too much reality. Yeah. They don't want to know what's going on. But I always say, if you don't know what's going on, you can't prevent it. If you don't know what to look for, how can you stop it? So I ended up, uh, you know, I've been writing, like I said, for years, and I just kind of came up with the idea to write a blog about it and threw myself into it wholeheartedly while I was still working full time. So uh, that was pretty much all of my downtime was was writing these stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, I, I do find it's very hard to open people up to it. But once they do, they're like, OK, I'm so glad I know this now. But you know, I was wondering about that because I, I there are definitely plenty of people out there that well I've had people with my show like when we did the West Memphis three season mm-hmm. we're like I can't do kids I can't right. do anything do you, do you get much pushback like that from people yes that are, um, that I'm are hoping like, I, I can't listen to this because it's kids 
exactly. A lot of it. A lot of people say that. A lot of people, um, you know, comment on on YouTube and whatever. Well, it would be great, but I just can't listen to it. And I just come back at them like with the same thing I just said, you know, if you don't know what you're looking for, then you can't stop it. And that's what they need is the old, if you see something, say something (laughs) that really applies to to child abuse. Because if you don't say something, it's going to be another child I'm talking about. And and we want to prevent that whenever we can. The other side of that, uh, not only do people have a hard time digging into these stories, but um, when it comes to uh, monetizing or sponsorships and things like that, it's very hard to get somebody to want to sponsor you because, sure, ooh, I don't want to be associated with that content. Even YouTube, you can't monetize. And these are the most respectful stories. I don't make them sensational or, or you know, gory. I give all the details, but not to sensationalize it. But it's very, um, very hard to get people to or to get advertisers or whatever on board with that. So this is definitely a passion project for me. Yes, I want to get to the point where I can just support my family and do this full time permanently, but I still won't stop. You know, it's it's too important to me, all of the work that I've done and the, the families I've talked to, because I, I always bring the families on whenever I can um, get them involved with telling the stories. It It's the whole victim blaming mentality that a lot of true crime spaces have really bothers me because the families are victims as much as the child, not the family member who, you know, perpetrated the crime, but the, uh, the surviving innocent parents. And they're usually vilified a lot of times. You should have done this or you should have done that. And I just won't won't stand for that. (laughs) I'm the one just climbing into the YouTube comment section and defending people and things like that. So, so are you, are, or, or is your show on all the podcast platforms as audio? And then uh, I didn't realize you're on YouTube also. Not as video. Um, I, I hate being on camera. So <laughs> the, I've had people say that this is YouTube. You should have video. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. But I have it out there just for um, people who don't have access or don't know how to use podcasts because I know it's so complicated for some people. It's just a, it's just an app, but they can't figure out how to use Spotify or whatever. So right. it's just another place that I put them out there. Gotcha. Um, so, so with what you're doing, because, it, because of the content that, you're co- content that you're covering, that it's, you know, it's, it's kids, it's, it's, it's a little rough. Do you, if you had to sum up in, in a sentence or two, like, what is the mission behind what you're doing? What's your purpose? I have a few. There's number one, raising awareness is so important. Um, mm-hmm. Educating people on the signs and symptoms that they should be watching for, because some people might not know. Uh, certain things are a sign that something's going on at home with these poor kids. Um, and then also to keep the kids' memories alive because they are little people and we don't want to forget that. They're not, right. they're not summed up by how they died. They were also people who were very much loved by their families and otherwise they just kind of get lost to history and that I can't, I can't deal with that. I've even visited many, many of their graves, um, you know, taking road trips through Pennsylvania. I've been all the way out to Indiana and Michigan, um, you know, and, and visited a lot of these kids in person. It just means a lot to me to respect them that much. I think, I think that's important. And I think it's, it's, it's admirable that you had like, and you can tell, you know, I asked you that question because you can, you can tell that you're doing something for a reason. Right. Um, where there's a, you know, there's, there's a lot, you know, some shows, there's an awareness aspect to it, but there's there's a very specific thing you're you're teaching people because it is important 
for people to to understand how to see these signs either within your own family or kids that you come across. Right. And if and if you're not educating yourself, then there's really no way for you to to know what you should be looking for when you should say something. Exactly. Um uh you know, I was going to ask you so I just saw on the news this morning um do you, do you keep up pretty good with and I I guess I don't know if this is made national enough news that you would know about it but literally 15 minutes from where I live in New Carlisle, Indiana, there was a big case where it's a a 15-year-old that molested and killed or, or allegedly molested and killed a 6-year-old girl and it was just a huge it, it's all over the news here because there was okay. just a court ruling Anthony Hutchins is the guy's name and the girl's name was Grace Ross who was 6 years old Okay I think that sounds familiar yeah was he he wasn't related to her was he No I don't okay. think so I don't know a lot about the case but mm-hmm. I know, but the big thing that just came down was the judge ruled to keep him in adult jail Wow at 14 he's 14 or 15 he's Oof. an eighth grader I don't like that while he's awaiting trial. Yeah, and well, that's what I was curious about. You've covered a lot of these cases because I kind of didn't know how I felt about it. And I was reading a little bit about it shortly before I came in here. Yeah. And the the judge made a good point that there is, he said if it was just the, the idea of keeping an eighth grader in an adult jail, is that a good idea? Obviously not. <laughs> right. But if it's an but it's an eighth grader, if it's an eighth grader where there's an incredible amount of probable cause that he plotted, planned, molested, killed, concealed the body of yeah. a child, do you want to put him locked up with a bunch of children? No. And that's not a good idea. So and and I guess they have him isolated. He's yeah. away from the adults. They'd and, have and stuff to like that. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of the people always say you know, people who harm children always get targeted in, in prison. Whether they do or not, I can't even speak to that. I've only heard of it happening once, and it was uh-huh. uh, pre-trial, so it really just put everything off for a couple of years, which is more annoying than anything. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I can't imagine a, a, a kid like that wouldn't be targeted, you know, yeah. especially being accused of something like that. It's a, it's a really tough one to whether or not to charge someone as an adult, depending on how old they are, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got a lot of followers who are maybe far more on the conservative side, all about the death penalty, um, things like that, which I'm, I'm definitely not pro-death penalty in any way. Um, the West Memphis Three case kind of opened my eyes to that many years ago, but right. really it's, I'm more of the mind that it really depends what the offense was and how they grew up really matters because they're also most likely abused kids if they're doing something like that. And when is a person not salvageable? You know, at what age can you not rehabilitate them? When can they not be a member of society again? It's, it's yeah. hard to to tell. Yeah. And I I don't know, maybe one that you, uh, I think the trial's coming up in a couple months, so maybe one you want to look out for. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's just, it's super. But it, yeah, just, it, all these all these cases, especially when it's ch- ch- kids on kids, mm-hmm. they raise all these like really hard questions to think about, like yes. like that. Like, should he be? You know, could this kid be rehabilitated? Right. Evidently, the prosecutors come out and said that he's you know told people that he's essentially they're painting him as a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Which you can't even diagnose at that age, so it's hard to tell, you know? Yeah. And Uh. also, I've done enough wrongful convictions to know that just because (laughs) the prosecutor's saying it doesn't doesn't mean it's true. Right. (laughs) Um, But it's a rough one. But let's go ahead and move into 
the case that, uh, that we have to discuss today, which is another – it's an Indiana case. It's mm-hmm. in Hamlet, Indiana, which I don't know Hamlet, so I don't know how far that is. Cause I, li- I live like three minutes from the Indiana border. Okay. Um, right. Uh, uh, I know Bronson is sort of in that area. Bronson's a little further north. I'm, it, okay. I'm right in the very southwest corner of the state, like almost to Lake Michigan, around okay. the lake from from Chicago area. Wow. So South Bend, Indiana is like right. Like when I go to the store, I go to South Bend. I, okay. I go okay. To Indiana. Yeah. I've only been out there uh, once, but, and I drove, so it was a uh, it was kind of a rush job, <laughs> but I made it through. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, but this is in Hamlet, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, the it's the case. Uh, Judah Morgan is the victim's name. And um, he, this is it, you covered. It was a two parter. You covered it in episodes eighty seven and eighty eight of your yes. podcast, just this past November. Mm-hmm. Uh, which again, this is one of them that was what a quick turnaround because you you know the the trial was in what October or no, there hasn't been a trial yet, right? Right now, uh, no, Judah just passed away in October, and uh, yeah. I have a, a former law enforcement contact friend out in Indiana um, that I made a couple of years back when I covered another Indiana case, and. Uh, he let me know about it as soon as it happened. And I, I saw that one. It was just, it broke my heart. It's another CPS failure, which I see all the time. And so I reached out to his foster mom, Gina, right away. And she agreed to come on and talk. And three weeks later, there we were. So that was one of the, the quickest that I've covered on the podcast as far as the actual murder happening. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. As a real quick aside, um, speaking of CPS failures and stuff, did you happen to listen to the Wondery podcast, Do No Harm? No, but it's on my list. I have so many I have to listen to now. Yeah, be curious. So it's it's also talking about CPS failures. Oh, it's the reverse. Yeah, it's the other way around. Yes, right. That's one, why it's where, on my list. Yeah, where they, um, you know, they, they took kids away from parents that probably didn't do anything wrong. That, right. But anyway, it's just it, yeah, it's it's super interesting. I was just curious if you had seen it, if you'd listened to it, but um, yeah, be worth worth a listen to because for sure, would be curious what your thoughts are on that. But go yeah. ahead and and give us the breakdown of this case. Okay, so what happened was um, Mary Yoder and 
Alan Morgan were the parents. They were 21 and 23 when they got together in 2016. Um, they got pregnant right away. Mary had an older child. Alan didn't have any children yet. When they got together, they got pregnant. They had Judah in 2017, early 2017, I want to say, uh, June. He was born with THC in his system, um, but he wasn't immediately taken away, which I'm a little surprised by, but, you know, it's hard to say if that's the mm -hmm. way it should be or not. He, at four months, was taken from his parents, and so was the older boy because of um, an allegation that Alan had, I believe, kicked the older boy down the stairs. And um, so what happened was the older boy was put with his grandmother. Judah was placed with Alan's cousin, Gina Hullett, and her family. Um, she had three adult children. They considered Judah their baby bubba. Um, uh -huh. They really took this child on as their own. He was with them for over three years. Um, they were the only family he ever knew. Um, the whole time DCS was telling Gina, you're going to be able to adopt him. We're going to terminate Mary and Alan's parental rights. Um, so they were kind of, you know, banking on that. That's why they were letting Judah call them mommy and daddy. And, you know, that's, that was their baby. Um, but DCS neglected to file the petition. Uh, two separate times they were supposed to do it, and they didn't do it. They basically forgot Um a supervisor called Gina in early 2021 and just said, um, someone dropped the ball in those words. And all I can tell you is I'm sorry. And then back in, um, I guess it was April of 2021, Judah was placed back with his parents. They had two other children by that time. And the older son was also placed back. So there were four boys in the house. Uh, it was supposed to be a six month trial visit. So that was beginning in April, um, almost right away, based on everything that we know now, Judah was singled out and abused and essentially tortured. So the, the Hullets, Mary was pregnant. Mary, Mary was, was pregnant. pregnant again. Yep. She got pregnant again. Child, yeah. And she right away uh, set it up so that child would be adopted out, which is, thank goodness she did that. Um, but yeah, so when they took Judah back in, he was the odd one out. You know, he had never bonded with them because he was gone by four months. Um, so it, it, it was basically like an outsider coming in and potentially bringing DCS into their lives because he would have to be checked up on, in theory. His caseworker mm -hmm. lived four doors down from the Yoder and Morgan house. So he really should have been checked up on frequently, but he wasn't. The Hullets didn't get to see him after he was taken out of their house. And, um, so once he was taken out, Mary went into labor, I think it was October 9th of last year. When she was out of the house in the hospital, she left the boys with Alan. And then on the morning, the very early morning of October 11th, well, I'll go back real quick to the 10th. There was a birthday party at the house. There was um, the, their two-year-old's birthday party. And... Alan's brother, Jesse, came in and, and brought a cake and some presents because Alan didn't have money to do that. The house was an absolute nightmare, just a total mess, but nothing was reported. The brother was told Judah is with one of Mary's friends. She's, uh, you know, just so Alan doesn't get overwhelmed by all the kids. But we now know Judah was in the house. He was in the basement, um, likely bound with duct tape. So the next morning, Alan frantically called Mary in the hospital and said, I think I beat the kid to death. And 
I'm going on the run. So Mary called 911. Um, another person called 911. The police went to the house. The LaPorte County uh, deputies showed up at the house and found no adults, three sleeping children, and Judah was in a bedroom, um, naked, covered in bruises, a blanket over top of him, just bruises from head to toe, and he was pronounced dead just before 4 a.m. So when they looked in the basement, detectives found pieces of duct tape everywhere. Uh, they found a, a little child's potty. It, looked, it had been used, but it was down there. The only comfort item was a blanket on the floor, uh, just duct tape on uh, two by four studs, like a foot up from the ground. So he was, I guess, bound sitting or standing. There was also a malnourished, emaciated dog in a crate. The whole house was covered with trash, animal waste, just total squalor. Um, they finally got Alan. They, they picked him up a few hours later and they arrested both parents. The charges, Mary only has a couple of charges of uh, neglect of a dependent, one resulting in death. Uh, Alan's charged with felony murder and a bunch of other things. So they're both awaiting trial right now in the LaPorte County Jail. It's LaPorte County. So that is, that's actually very, I, I'm not familiar with Hamlet, but LaPorte County is like, it's 15 minutes from here. Okay. It's a very small yeah. town. I think like 800 people or something. So Yeah. So it must be one of the small. So New Carlisle, where the other one I was just telling you about is also mm -hmm. in LaPorte County. Oh, okay. Okay. Right yeah. That must be right, right near there. I have, to, I have to check in and follow up on this on this trial, but what a, what a tragic case in the and has 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 CPS or DP, DPS said anything, made any statement about their handling of the case? Not really. So Gina was telling them all along. You know, I've I dropped him off for one of the visits before the trial visit. She's saying the house is an absolute nightmare. It's disgusting. The kids are picking up Cheerios off the floor and. And things like that. And uh, they wouldn't listen to her. They told her, it's none of your business. Um, they said, they had told her, if Alan and Mary screw up, Judah's coming back to you. Alan got arrested last July for um, a lot of different drug charges, driving recklessly, felony, um, felony resisting an officer. And she called them again and said, with this arrest, does that mean they messed up? Well, no, it's none of your business. They wouldn't tell her anything even though she raised this baby for three and a half years. Mm -hmm. So after that, um, you know, she told the caseworker who never really went and checked on Judah in the six months that they were supposed to be doing. Um, she told the caseworker, this is your fault. I told you this was going to happen. And, and I've heard people so many times in these stories tell CPS, this child is going to be killed. And it always comes to pass. And, and they just didn't listen. But now Gina is, she's a powerhouse. This woman's incredible. The day Judah died, she started contacting lawmakers. And within five months of Judah's death, she had pressured them enough and worked with them enough that there are now two laws that were inspired by Judah that have been passed and are coming into effect this summer um, already. And that's incredibly fast. I mean, five months is, is very fast. So Judah's law is one of them that is, uh, that basically gives kinship caregivers, which are family members who are not licensed foster parents, but who act as foster parents. That's what mm -hmm. Judah was, was placed with them as a kinship placement. So it gives them voices to actually advocate for these kids in court while they're still alive, which they legally, for years in Indiana, didn't have. 
And then there is another one I have to, oh yeah, it's House Enrolled Act 1247, which um, basically that just means DCS has to disclose more information when there is a child death by abuse or neglect. Um, they were pretty closed mouthed about it up till now, but the, the representative who authored that bill had Judah on his mind while he did it. So it's just incredible that they had that done so quickly. Um, changes are possible. That's the thing that I, I, I want make, I want to make sure people understand that because these kids don't have to die in vain. You know, their, their parents who are, who want to keep their memories alive, making changes like this is such a great way to do that because then it's like they're saving other kids. Well, and that's, that's the takeaway, right? For the, <laughs> cause it, it, you hear this and it's like, you're looking for signs and symptoms and things, but, but Gina was doing all that. Yep. And reporting it. Running and, yeah, and reporting it as she should. Mm -hmm. But then, but, but then you have the, the DPS or DC or whatever they call it in Indiana that's not acting on it. Right. Um, but I love, I, I love the fact that, that she didn't let that lie. It wasn't enough. And this bill, the bills that went through that, that have been passed in the law now, were moved through quickly with bipartisan support, which yeah. is, you know, and Crazy. 2022 is not something you see very often, but it no. was, um, I, I mean, just that, that's just so powerful that something was done. So I, th I think that yeah. the takeaway is that to have the, you know, to have the awareness and be paying attention and see something, say something, but also just keep pushing for change because, because Gina has proven that change is possible. Right. It's never going to bring Judah back. But it might save the next Judah, right? Exactly down the road, and so that's amazing. It really is. Uh, there's so many of these parents, and they don't get enough credit. Um, I've talked to so many of them, and and now I got Gina in touch with a grandma from Ohio, um, Tammy Risen. She wrote a book about her experience. Uh, she lost her granddaughter Avery Lee Hobbs in 2016 um, to a very similar situation. Avery was given back to the mom who fractured her skull as an infant and spent time in prison for it. And no matter what they said, she just got put back with her and, and she was killed. So uh, Tammy's another one. She's really pushing for law changes in Ohio. Um, and, and Tammy and I and some other you know, parents are working to maybe put together a coalition at some point of parents like this who've been affected by CPS and their failures and just to kind of amplify the voice and try to make changes in that way. We haven't really, uh, you know, sat down and done it, but Tammy's working hard on, on that sort of um, having video chats with these parents and trying to get their stories and bring them on board. So I think it's just so important that these people know each other. You know, I, when I connect yeah. to these parents, it just gives me so much joy. Like you guys have a lot in common and you can actually make a difference together. I feel like it's, it's, it's just such a cool thing. I mean, it's a terrible way to have to meet someone, obviously. I wish I could have met so many of these parents in other circumstances. But, um, yeah, it, it really is. It's such a fulfilling thing to do to try to make changes like that. Well, I mean, you, you should be super proud of the work that you're doing. It's not it's not a it's no easy task putting out over 100 episodes of any podcast and, be, and to be doing it with a purpose. And getting results, even it, it, and those are results. Connecting those people are results, and helping to make a, a difference and improve people's lives uh, is a huge part of what you do. And I, I think it's amazing uh, for you listeners. If you want to hear more of this story, and it's a, it's a, it's a much more in depth story. There's two full episodes on it. You hear from uh, Gina. Uh, they are in eighty uh, episodes, eighty seven and eighty eight. 
Her name is Lane, and the podcast is called Suffer the Little Children. Check it out. It just might be your next big true crime binge. And Lane, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a real pleasure meeting you. Thank you, Bob. It's my honor. I, I appreciate it so much. Crime Binge is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Audioboom. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing. Music and artwork by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com. Our website, TrueCrimeBinge.com, was created by Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com. If you're a listener and would like to recommend a future guest or a podcaster that would like to request an interview, you can do so right on our website. And again, that web address is TrueCrimeBinge.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a huge favor and take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen. And make sure you give us a follow on social media. We can be found everywhere at True Crime Binge. Thank you so much for listening and make sure you tune in next Wednesday morning for another podcaster, another case, and another True Crime Binge. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. <laughs>